Hey everyone, and welcome to an idiot's reading of the Bible. My name's Josh, and I am the idiot. Today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Satan tempts Jesus. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard, whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, 
that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Jesus casts out an unclean spirit. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we done to you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke amongst, among themselves, saying, What a word is this? What a word this is? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out to every place in the surrounding region. Peter's mother-in-law healed. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Many healed after Sabbath sunset. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Jesus preaches in Galilee. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. I really like this chapter, some confusing stuff in it, but uh, a lot of really relatable story uh, in here as well. Uh, I think this is a highly relatable story. I'm vaguely familiar with this story uh, from hearing it in masses um, and from reading Luke uh, previously. But again, he goes... Uh, he goes into the wilderness. He goes into the desert, just like John the Baptist did. And you can see, like with Luke, there's a lot of parallels being set up uh, still between Jesus and, and John. I think they're starting to slightly diverge now. But the concept of going out alone and going into the wilderness is significant. And I think this is relatable because your demons tend to come out when you are alone. If you travel alone, if you meditate, that's a certain kind of aloneness. I think your, your demons tend to kind of manifest. So this is uh, literally happening to Jesus in this story, but I think it holds really significant uh, metaphorical weight for our own personal lives um, as well. And it's very timely, Luke chapter four, with the pandemic and the response to the pandemic with everything shutting down a lot of people um, especially those that aren't in a long-term relationship or live with their family or have roommates uh, hopefully less now with things beginning to open but for a bulk of the year have spent a lot of time alone and I think as a result of this we see an increase in suicides an increase in mental illness and that's 
proof of the manifestation of, of one's demons coming out, uh, which is what is being talked about in arch- archetypal form here with Jesus going into the, the desert and Jesus is being tempted by Satan. He's tempted with uh, all the kingdoms of the world. He's tempted with, what else is he tempted with? He, he tempts him into performing a, a miracle, turning, um, turning a stone into bread. I mean, undoubtedly, he's very hungry while he's out there. He's fasting the entire time. And he, he tempts him to perform a miracle by throwing himself off of a temple and, and having the angels save him. And it's, it's of my opinion that if the devil is tempting Jesus in this way and Jesus is the son of God, he's, he's capable of these things. He could marshal the angels to save him from jumping off of a building. He could turn a stone into bread. He can turn water into wine. Um, he can, he can, you can perform these kind of signs in, in these miracles and he's alone also. So he's not worried about other people maybe seeing these miracles before it's too soon. You can, he can do them in isolation. So really they're the only reason, uh, I don't know what the reason is not to other than the devil is tempting him. Uh, maybe, maybe the lesson that we're supposed to learn from this part of the chapter is that we should seek isolation for our own spiritual development. Uh, but during that isolation, we're going to be tempted by convenience. That's something else that's very topical this past year and a trend I've been seeing for a while. If we talk about convenience, we could talk about convenience in in any terms. Really, one of the most prominent might be the dating market. There's been this shift towards more online dating and more convenience and being able to see more options um, over the past say maybe 10 years, maybe slightly less than that when, when Tinder was launched. Uh, but especially with the coronavirus pandemic and, and the response to that, it's become kind of the de facto way to enter a relationship, to find someone to date, to find a sexual partner. Um, and, and while we're on that topic as well, um, it will be interesting to see figures on it during the coronavirus pandemic. But probably porn use is up well, which is another type of convenience that we might use to delude ourselves or distract ourselves from the real problems at hand, um, spiritual and, and otherwise, you know, maybe we are alone and seeking a partner, seeking someone who can help us better ourselves as well as allow us to help them better themselves to perform uh, better as a team with somebody. But instead of uh, heeding that God-given urge, uh, maybe we're shying away from that and and using things like porn to meet our sexual needs and dating applications to meet our need for attention and peer approval and other social media platforms to meet those peer approval yearnings as well, uh, just to get that quick dopamine hit. I know one of the things I like to do on a yearly basis or so is go off alone and have some time to reflect and and time to journal. And I've definitely felt this pull, uh, for me, entertainment is very strong. 
Um, I, I'm engaged. I'm in a long-term relationship. So I, I know I have that to go home to at the end of the period. So that's not extraordinarily difficult to have a week of loneliness because I know the loneliness will abate when I go home. But to have that period uh, set aside for me, I, I like goal setting, journaling, sort of sketching out what's to come in my life. But I'm, I'm very easily distracted by entertainment. So Netflix, um, movies I may have downloaded on my phone. And I've found that a struggle when on those sort of trips to almost resist being in the moment and resist that sort of, I don't want to call it bleakness, but maybe that's the best adjective I have if you were using the desert as a metaphor for this. It's, it's a little bit boring and understimulating compared to daily life. You know, you've cleared off uh, social interaction from the table. You've cleared off work. Um, you've cleared off sort of your day-to-day -day duties other than the, the basics that are required for living out of an Airbnb or a hotel for a week or so. Um, so I think it's powerful exercise. I think if you're not, if you're not doing that, it's, you know, it's a bit societally weird. Um, definitely your friends are going to think it's weird or at least some of them will, but I think it's worth doing. I think it's worth setting aside time for yourself to go, go into the wilderness. You know, if you live by a desert, more power to you. I, I did a retreat by myself at, in, in uh, Joshua tree a couple of years ago. And that was extremely restorative, but it was, it was difficult. You know, it was, the, it had austerity that, that was the word I was looking for instead of bleakness earlier. It had a sort of sense of austerity and simplicity to it that allowed me to work on my spiritual development a little bit. Um, so definitely I, I would highly recommend it if you have the the opportunity to do so if it's a if it's financial issue as long as you can get work off take a tent go go camp um go go off into the wilderness alone for a little bit i think is the the message of this we can abstract that a little bit more metaphorically but let's uh let's just leave it at that so then we have a story about jesus preaching in his hometown just sort of Sort of interesting. I, I really, I genuinely, I don't know what to make of this one um, from first reading. Uh, essentially, the the summary of that is he, he, it looks like he's been away for a while. I don't really know how long. I mean, obviously, the 40 days and the 40 nights are outlined above. He's He's been to see John the Baptist and been baptized. But, you know, how, how long prior to that has he been away from home? Um prior to the 40 days and 40 nights, plus the 40 days and 40 nights. I, I don't know, but I think we're meant to believe that he was, he was away from home for at least a period of years because it introduces the chapter in verse 16 with, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So it's seems to be implying that some time has passed there, which I think is important to know, by the way, because uh, friends, friends don't come up to him. Um, Family doesn't come up to him, but some people recognize him. So they ask uh, in verse 22, is this not Joseph's son? So a few people do recognize him and he gets a really weird reaction from reading scripture in the synagogue. He, I think essentially what he's saying in verse 23 through 27 is that 
is that he's not going to perform miracles just because it's his hometown is my kind of reading of it. I don't know what to make of that. Um, but anyways, the reaction from the crowd is is not good. I mean, despite the fact they know he's, you know, that's his hometown. Um, they chase him out of the city. And it seems like they're, they're thinking about throwing him off of a cliff. But then really interesting turn, or really interesting phrasing in verse 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. So that that's kind of intriguing. If you think about this like a like a cinematic kind of Hollywood movie, uh, you know, this this character Jesus is being chased by an angry mob, and so they chase him out of town, and then they chase him to this uh, precipice, a brow of the hill on which their city was built. So one one foot wrong, and he's he's over the cliff. He's dead, and. Usually, usually when that happens in a movie, there's a deus ex machina, some some kind of plot device, person, character, thing that allows them to either fall off the edge and survive, they're, they're somehow caught, or um, somehow you know, maybe somebody distracts the crowd and they're able to get away. But in, in no movie ever uh, does that character without speech just walk through the middle of the angry mob and just continue moving. I'm honing in on something with this, but I'm still dancing around it a little bit. If this could be taken metaphorically for... Whatever it might be taken metaphorically for rejecting re- rejecting Christ, uh, maybe in, in your, your own life. Um, that's something I went through recently, something uh, fairly, well, very, very sad and, and depressing happened to me where... Uh, my puppy died, a, a new puppy, and I was I was really mad at God. I was really mad at Jesus while I was going while, while I was going through it. I mean, obviously, it's a terrible thing to have happen. And prayed prayed for the puppy before he died while he was sick, and it just didn't seem to help. So I felt a lot of anger, and I, I prayed about that anger. I said, you know, I hate I hate you, Jesus. I hate you, God. You know, I felt that way, and, and fair enough, but. Um, once the dust settled, once the emotions died down a little bit, here I am doing a Bible podcast and I still believe that Christ is the son of God. I still believe in God. I'm, I'm still very much a Christian. So what does that mean? I'm, I'm not sure other than, other than maybe, maybe it's not that Christ has a way with words or is, is irrefutable, but that it's, his teaching and and his presence are so true that it, it transcends even anger. I think that's the core of it. That's the core of it is you you can be Christ's love for you is so great that even if you curse against him, you you you're furious with him, you're you're ready to cast him off of the edge of the cliff, so to speak. His love for you is so great that he will transcend that and he will transcend it not by performing a miracle to to knock the crowd over or by clever words like the devil is trying to convince Jesus with when he's tempting him but he will just simply walk through you he will walk through you 
And I think maybe that's the that's the core of that. And when I when I'm doing these readings, whenever I read something that strikes me as weird, that's how I know it's significant. And that's that to me stood out is is weird, honestly. So for the rest of the chapter, Jesus casts out, it says an unclean spirit. Maybe that's a, some kind of a demon. Heals uh, Simon's mother of a, of a very high fever. So maybe that says that he can be, he can be reckoned with, which is maybe the part of man in him. He could be reckoned with by people that aren't the devil or aren't demanding something of him. Uh, if you, if you kind of come to him with an open ask is maybe what this is teaching, teaching us is we, we cannot by force, by anger, by will demand anything of Jesus. But if we come to him with open arms, accepting of the outcome of our ask, uh, miracles can be performed. The chapter ends with Jesus taking his leave. He's about to take his ministry on the road, which again is a, a pretty stark contrast we have between him and John the Baptist, where people go to John, but it's setting the stage for Jesus's, let's, let's call it Jesus's ministry on the road. I like that. So he is, he's, he's going to travel from town to town. And I think I discussed this in the last episode that that's the core difference between John the Baptist, who is, you know, a holy man, but Jesus is more than that because you don't have to go to him. He meets you at your level. If and that's in a broader sense too. I mean, geographically, he's going to be going from town to town to spread his ministry. But also in a broader sense, uh, if you're a sinner, if you're having the worst day of your life, if you've just done something horrible, uh, if you're depressed, if you're nihilistic, he's you don't have to seek him. He's going to meet you at your level. And I think that's where I'm going to end for the day. Thanks for listening.